So as I'm walking back to my car on Saturday night after Stanford's loss, the Washington Huskies on a rainy afternoon and evening up in Seattle, I'm on the phone with my wife telling her how the game went. And there's one song that kept going through my head the whole time. I'll be home for New Year's. Yep, Stanford's Rose Bowl dreams are done thanks to a 27-23 loss at Washington. And really, the Cardinal have no one to blame but themselves. And that's what we're going to talk about on the TreeCast. It is Sunday, November the 4th, 2018. November is here, but Stanford's chances of winning the Pac-12 North are pretty much all but toast thanks to Saturday evening's result at Husky Stadium. It is indeed the Troy, the, the tree cast rather, with Troy 30. I'm fresh off a of plane. Let's see if my mouth is still working <laughs> after uh, coming back from Seattle earlier today. But it's big time thanks for uh, joining us here on the show. We're going to break down everything that we saw on Saturday night. Of course, we will get help from David Shaw, a few of his thoughts. You'll also hear from Stanford quarterback K.J. Costello and Cardinal tight end Caden Smith. Uh, so you'll hear the thoughts of those individuals as they take us through what happened at Husky Stadium on Saturday night. Who am I? Well, I'm your host of this show, of this podcast. My pleasure to be here with you. You can follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is C-L-A-R-D-Y, at Troy Clarity. That's the way to go to follow me on Twitter. Uh, you I always welcome, of course, your thoughts on the show on Stanford football, hashtag TreeCast. That, of course, is also via Twitter as well. In my fifth year of play-by-play with the Pac-12 Network, wrapping up the regular season for soccer this week, Cal at Stanford on Thursday. Men's soccer, looking forward to being on the call for that. That should be fun, as always. So looking forward to uh, bringing that to you. But, But I also, of course, this time of year, also follow Stanford football, my 26th season of doing so. And it appears that Stanford will not be able to achieve a lot of the things that, that, that many people thought that this team might be capable of at the start of the year. Folks thought that Stanford would be able to contend for a Pac-12 North championship a few weeks in when things were looking pretty good and Stanford was off to a 4-0 season and a 4-0 start. People started thinking perhaps maybe a little bit bigger. But the Cardinal unable to put it together over the past few weeks, for the most part, certainly not able to put it together for a full 60 minutes on all three phases of the game, and a fourth if you want to include coaching as well. And and, and all of those things just kind of just kind of snowballed on Stanford again, with the Cardinal down 21 nothing before you knew it, but able to find their way back into it somehow thanks largely in part to the Huskies' efforts. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But ended up being a 27-23 loss uh, for the Cardinal. K.J. Costello, 29-43 for 347 yards, two touchdowns, three picks along the way. Uh, Bryce Love somehow gutted out 71 yards on the ground on 18 carries, and Caden Smith with eight catches for 107 yards and the touchdown as well. But, you know, after, after Stanford football losses, I'm generally – generally fairly irritated and Saturday night was was no different I was I was not very pleased with how things went with how things turned out and I usually try to 
stay away from social media, stay away from the message boards and not and not read those kinds of things. I, I usually want to try to get get some sense of distance before before I really start to start to start to break things down a bit. So I usually, you know, see how I feel after a night's sleep and go from there, which is a large reason why I wait until Sunday to do these tree casts that come uh, after Sunday, after Saturday, after the, after Saturday games. I want to try to get some distance, get some perspective, because some things that I think I might have seen, some things I think I might have been feeling as I walk out of the stadium uh, might not quite be the truth after I kind of sit back and, and figure things out a little bit. Sunday morning in Seattle, I woke up every bit as irritated. Every bit. Because there were, there were just so many things in this game that shouldn't have happened on both sides. Both Stanford and Washington. But they did. There's so many things that shouldn't have happened to this game. Washington shouldn't have been able to go up 21-0 so easily. Just like nothing. I mean, they look like they looked like they should have looked like many people thought they would look at the start of the year. That first 20 minutes or so was just about just about how you draw it up from a Washington perspective. Meanwhile, for Stanford, couldn't get out of their own way. Stymied on the very first drive, going three and out. Couldn't convert third and short. Went to the jumbo, the ogre package, and, and got stopped short. I, I knew I, I had a bad feeling. I used to get good feelings whenever I saw the ogre package. Not anymore. Hasn't been the case this year. Wasn't the case for much of last year either, for, uh, to, to be quite honest with you. But, but as soon as they went to the Ogre, as soon as they brought in all the, the big extra uglies and went to the ice set with Cameron Scarlett to take the handoff, I didn't have a good feeling. Scarlett stopped for no gain. Stanford goes three and out on the first drive. And then they zip right down the field, or the Huskies do rather, zip right down the field and get to the end zone for a quick 7-0 lead. Just like that. The defense just looked absolutely befuddled. Fourth and 11. Washington went for it. Fourth and 11 on the Stanford 29, and they got it. And they got it. Jake Browning finding Aaron Fuller, his wide receiver, for a 16-yard pickup. I still can't believe that happened. Dumb penalties. Stupid penalties. Drive-extending penalties defensively. Drive-killing penalties offensively. Washington should not have been able to have gone up to, 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 have gone up to that big a lead in that quick amount of time. 21-0 early in the second quarter. And then on the flip side, Stanford shouldn't have, shouldn't have come back. Washington let them right back into it. Huskies stopped moving around offensively before the snap. Pre-snap motion was killing the Cardinals. Just getting them all out of position, all out of sorts. The Huskies stopped doing it. And all of a sudden, Jake Browning became a bit of a sitting duck. As the Stanford defense started to get to him, apply pressure, and get sacks. Big sacks. The Stanford defense started coming up big in the second half. And the offense got going as well. With K.J. Costello finding guys downfield, making big throws. And the next thing you know, you look at the scoreboard and you go, oh, this is this is kind of a ball game. And it's funny, at the half, I was talking to people and I was going, 21 nothing. Man, this could be a lot worse. Stanford's not as in bad shape as we might think they're in. And they weren't. But Stanford still should not have been able to come back in that game if Washington had played up to its capabilities. But they did. The Cardinal fought back into it. 
Stanford picked the wrong time to try the running game. They should they shouldn't have gotten a bit stubborn. And I want to point to two sequences in particular. A sequence that bridged the third and the fourth quarter. Final seconds, final play of the third quarter with Stanford down 24-14. Final play of the third quarter. Stanford had just forced a shank punt from Washington and had the ball at the Husky 47 to start the drive. Plus territory. All right, Stanford's looking good. First down, they hand it off to Bryce Love, has no chance, gets stopped in the backfield for a three-yard loss. That's the final play of the third quarter. Second and 13, they do it again. They run the ball again, and Bryce Love gets stopped. They tried to cross up the Huskies. Huskies weren't buying it, and they stunted right into it and stopped Bryce Love for no game. Made it third and 13. KJ Costello later threw an incomplete pass that sailed over the head of Kobe Parkinson. That's kind of hard to do. Kobe's six foot seven. But Stanford getting the ball in plus territory, down by 10, a chance to truly get back into the game, and they go backwards. And they end up punting, and they go three and out. That shouldn't have happened. And then on the next drive that Stanford got, after a short punt, taken back to the Washington 33-yard line, Stanford starting in plus territory again. Big pass to Kobe Parkinson, sets up Stanford first and goal at the eight. Then Bryce Love stopped for no gain. Love gets five yards. Then on third and goal, they went jumbo again. And I don't necessarily have the problem with Stanford running the ball in that situation, but I did not like the play call itself at all, the formation and all of that. Certainly telegraphed what was coming. Sure enough, Bryce Love stopped for no gain on third and goal from the three. Stanford had to settle for a field goal. Colin Riccatelli with... With the, with, the, with, with, the, with the short field goal to make it 24-17 at that point. That should have been so much more. Should have been so much more. Stanford shouldn't have gone conservative in plus territory when they did. And finally, Stanford probably shouldn't have been able to substitute guys, been trying to substitute guys on that final drive. Just too frantic. To kind of remind you of what happens with the clock and with substitutions, and, and things like that. If the offense tries to substitute a player, if they, bring an, if they bring a player on, then the defense has to get a chance to substitute their own players on as well. I mean, it's fair, right? However, it doesn't necessarily affect the clock. The clock, they, they can wind the clock and have them start it up. But as, you know, if, if an offensive player comes on, that means the defensive player has to have a chance to come on as well. So they can substitute if necessary. Why Stanford was trying to substitute players on that final drive when the clock was not when, when the clock was not necessarily with them is still beyond me. Still beyond me. I still can't believe that transpired as it did. Stanford still had a shot. Took a chance at the end zone. Costello's final pass intercepted. Ball game. Huskies win 27-23. There were so many things that shouldn't have happened in that game, but they did, but they did. So that's why I was irritated then and now. David Shaw in his post-game press conference, as we share a couple of morsels from him, Shaw was asked if he was frustrated 
by that result? I don't know, maybe it's just my, my personality. I, I don't get frustrated, I just get serious. And I try to identify what our issues are and solve them and change them. So we, we tweaked practice midway through the year. I think that helped us, helped us a ton. Um, we added our no huddle offense. I think it helped us a lot. Um, we rotated some guys that hadn't played a lot, rotated them in even regardless of injury, um, especially on the defensive side, played some more guys. I think that helped us um, a little bit better pass rush. Um, so we're going to continue to find things. Um, getting frustrated doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help anybody at all. Um, we look at the things that we need to do, and we do them. That's David Shaw, you know. and uh, that, that is his personality. You know, uh, I'm sure that, that he is a bit more determined to try to figure things out and to go from there. But it has to be gnawing at him. The, 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 it, as, as long as he was still Maybe this is a strong word at some points, but but agonizing over some of the close losses that Stanford had last year. Those close losses from the 2017 season nodded David Shaw all throughout the offseason. So frustration, I'm sure, has to play a part in it somewhere. But I'm sure that from his, his standpoint, he is a bit more concerned about getting things ready and righted. He's got no choice. They got to play again on Saturday. And maybe after the offseason, begins, frustration will really start to set in once again, perhaps like it did last year. So David Shaw isn't necessarily frustrated. He's more determined than ever to get things going in the right direction. But the, the main talk, and going back to the final drive of the ball game, was what happened with the substitutions, with the clock, and exactly what they were trying to go through in that situation. David Shaw offered up his explanation of that final drive. That's tough. Um, got a running back with an ankle, but you try to get him out. I guess this, um, not everybody, and also not everybody that played was 100% either. So we had to take a couple guys out, put some guys in for some specific plays. Um, so those are decisions that I had I had to make. And right or wrong, that's fine. Um, you know, we got to the position where we got a shot at the end zone, and um, guys made some plays for us to get there. We lost some seconds. Um, but at the same time, we, uh, we had to take them. We took the timeouts to get the ball back. So Shaw wanted to try to get in the right guys to call some specific plays. What specific plays could you possibly have in the final minute in two-minute drill? You should already have your guys out there generally, unless you need to go to a goal, goal line situation, short yardage situation, or something like that. You should already be ready to roll with your personnel. Now, I understand that, that you know, Bryce Love obviously wasn't 100%, so you have to change the running back, and, and, and Dorian Maddox was coming in, seeing a lot more playing time than he has to this point in the season. I understand that from that standpoint, but running back wasn't the only position being substituted. Kobe Parkinson came in. They, they were switching out tight ends. What, what specific plays could you possibly need to run in that final minute? That didn't make much sense to me. And, and, and quite honestly, I wasn't, I wasn't very heartened by that explanation of what happened on the final drive. I asked David Shaw, as we noted in the second half, that, that certainly Stanford played much better from a defensive standpoint. Getting off the field, Huskies converted three, three third downs very early in the game, only one the rest of the way, only one in the entire second half, three of seven in the first half, and then only one of seven in the fourth in the second half and that one came very late in the fourth quarter but i asked david shaw what changed defensively the score 
It's my honest answer. It's my honest answer. The DNA of this football team. And honestly, it's not, it's not a terrible thing to have. It's actually a great thing to have. And it says a lot about the character of the guys on this football team. When things are tough and things are dark and things are, are, are it's a, us against the world, we are at our absolute best. I love that about our guys. The problem is we create the situation that puts us there. <laughs> we got to find a way to stop screwing it up to get ourselves to, to the point where we have to play our best just to come back to be in the game. Um, you know, now the, the, the question is, can we play with that energy, that passion, that fire, um, that execution? Um, we didn't have a lot of tackles in the fourth quarter that we missed. You guys went through and made great plays. We got pressure on the quarterback. We didn't call anything differently. We didn't change who we played. We played the same guys. They played harder. They played smarter. They played better. Um, so once again, that's, that's a positive thing with, to have on our football team. And I love our guys. We've got, I still say, the best locker room in America. Best human beings in America in our locker room. We've got to find a way now to play with that edge when the clock's at, you know, 15 minutes in the first quarter. That's our challenge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and he says it right there. You know, he's, you know, this team plays at its best when its backs are against the wall. Problem is, their backs are against the wall in just about every single game, or at least that's been the case of late. It's incredible. So yeah, you want to you, you want to pump the kids up for their for showing their resolve, but but they shouldn't be there in the first place. And yeah, things changed for the better as the game went along for Stanford. But what didn't change was this: Stanford coming up short and finding ways to lose, to lose situations, to lose out on big plays, and finally, to, to lose a ball game. And in the first half, it was about execution for the most part. We talked about the stupid penalties. We talked about, you know, the defense letting Washington off the hook, uh, the offense not converting some critical third downs early on. But the second half, that's coaching. That's coaching, especially that final drive. That should not have been anywhere near as frantic as it ended up being. Obviously, some positives for the Cardinals as they went along here in this game. And one of them, Caden Smith. Boy, he has been putting together some, some fantastic games of late, making critical catches, tough catches with dudes draped all over him. Smith is, has really established himself over the past couple of weeks, especially as, as a major cog and a major part of this offense and, and his role and his profile in the offense, probably going to increase depending upon the health of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who left the game in the third quarter with some sort of lower body injury. We'll probably, we'll, we might know more on that next time we talk to David Shaw on Tuesday. But Caden Smith, boy, he's, he's really put it together as of late. He joined us folks in the media after the game, a portion of his post-game media availability. First thing that he starts with was, look, another, another loss, an, another result in which Stanford starts off in a hole but comes back and finds a way to, to get back into it, but it ultimately comes up short. Hey, Caden, does this loss feel any different than the others? You know, second half we got rolling, so some games it's either we're rolling or we're not. 
So it was nice to see like a turnaround at halftime. Everyone come together and play. Um, but I mean, it's tough, you know, losing like that. Uh, you know, things happen, but you know, we got to keep fighting. We still got games on the schedule, so we just got to keep rolling and you know, fight through it and show up on Monday and work. What, what you mentioned games still on the schedule. What do you want this team's mindset to be about what can still be accomplished? I mean, at this point, it's really just playing for each other. Uh, you know, it's you know, all, all those old guys leaving. It's playing for those guys that, uh, you know, some guys will never play football again. So it's uh, we just got to keep rolling for that and keep pushing, fighting. It uh, doesn't matter who we're playing. We just, you know, come together and, you know, play like a family like we should be. In your eyes, what was it that kept the offense from coming out with the same fight? It was just, yeah, it was just uh, the little things, you know. We would get a drive and then not pick up a third and one and have to punt. Or, you know, people were playing well. It was just a little mistake here and there. Let someone loose, you know, too focused on one thing. But... You know, I think the fight was there. It was just a few mental errors in the first half that got us. JJ obviously didn't play much of the second half. How did his absence? How how did his absence affect you, if it did at all? Huh? Didn't. It's always next man up. I've always said that. But if Bryce is out, then it's next man up. You know, we have some great young talent on this team that can step in and really replace anyone. Obviously, JJ is a beast, but you know, the next kid is ready, ready to roll, and so he comes in and plays fast and with confidence working with KJ in this in this game what do you see from him when he's going through a first half with interceptions which he's had to do multiple times this season now and then have to respond in the second half what do you see from him in that situation well KJ's confidence is always through the roof he's you know he has that fire in him that he'll never give up and so if he throws an interception he's like you know screw it let's let's just go out the next time and Let's go put points on the board, and he never gives up, and his fight is unreal. He's one of the most competitive guys I know. And so, you know, with him at quarterback, we're all very comfortable, even if, like, a mistake does happen. That's Caden Smith, and, boy, he is he's, he's, he's emerged. He has emerged, and I think he's really uh, played up to the hype that was coming into – that, that was that was starting to surround him coming into the season. And, and tough catches and coverage, not, not a lot of open space. It shows the soft hands, shows the ability to find just that little window to get open. And, of course, he's a pretty decent quarterback who's throwing him the rock, too. But Smith, one of the guys that, that I liked from that game, Saturday night at Husky Stadium, good to see Connor Weddington back. And we saw a little bit of it. We saw him line up in the backfield one time, the wide receiver, uh, who has, has seen some time at running back, certainly in his, in his playing days in high school, back up in the Pacific Northwest. We saw Weddington line up in the backfield for a snap. Um, it was good to see him back because, as we've discussed earlier in the season, there are, there are a lot of things that I think he can bring uh, to this offense that, that quite honestly aren't there, specifically in run after the catch. We've talked about that numerous occasions. Good to see Connor Weddington back. And Elijah Holder, tough sequences for him last week against the Washington State Cougars, but uh, he had a bit of a bounce-back game against the Huskies. I was really impressed with with, with what Holder brought to the fold uh, for Stanford against Washington last week. So there were some good things that we saw, in my mind, from Stanford against the Washington Huskies. But still, overall, it results in a loss. And it brings us to K.J. Costello, the Stanford quarterback. 
And as we eavesdrop in on a portion of his post-game media availability, KJ starts by by pointing out something that that I quite honestly hadn't realized about Stanford football. Yeah, I think four out of the five, right, the last weeks, we've lost four out of the five last games, um, which, you know, it kind of dawned on me when I looked at the <clears throat> schedule a couple days ago, and I saw three out of the four last games we lost, and it's it was kind of like eye-opening because, you know, we're so week-to-week preparation focused that, like, Sometimes we don't, you know, the past is the past because we got to move on. Otherwise, we're not going to know what to do in terms of the plan for the following week. So I guess it hit me a little bit, um, <clears throat> you know, I think it was Thursday when I saw that. Damn, we got to really go for a hard finish here because, you know, this is just not us. I mean, from the Stanford that I know, you know, they don't lose back-to-back games, let alone, you know, three, four times in a four or five-game stretch. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, you know, this one really hit me in terms of, and this feeling, we've had this feeling a lot in the last month, um, you know, and it's a very similar feeling, and it's a feeling that nobody wants to have. I don't wish upon anybody. Um, but what's keeping me up and what's keeping us up is just these guys' unwilling, um, you know, passion and, and response to adversity. You know, I've never been on a team or a situation where continuously, um, week in and week out, um, you know, you're in the, these situations and you only have two decisions. And uh, I've been really impressed with my teammates' offensive line, you know, defense responding, you know, in certain situations, um, you know, coming from behind. It's it's uh, something that we don't like to do, but we have been in these situations lately. Can you take us through that final drive? Quite frantic substitutions, clock. Can you, can you take us through that final drive from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I love those situations. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in control out there in terms of, you know, I, I'd love to check with the Pac-12 in terms of putting the – uh, completely getting rid of the scoreboard um, in a two-minute drill and having no idea what, where the clock, like, the clock completely disappeared. Uh, I'm not sure if that's legal. Um, you know, as a quarterback, I'm trying to manage a situation in the game and the, the clock disappears. Um, you know, so that was, that was fairly interesting. It made it a lot harder for us. Um, you know, but we were substituting, which, which um, the ref, you know, was doing their job in terms of holding until the other team substitute. But I think we did a pretty good job with no timeouts, Going about, I think, 40, 50 yards. There was one big play there with about 15 seconds, 20 seconds left, where I felt like we needed to get counted down in the hole they were playing. Max, you know, max prevent. It's tough to hit any holes, but I felt like we had a little hole there, and it was just tough. I mean, it's kind of like drawing up in the dirt at that point. You know, no play, like no play is actually going to work on time. So um, it's a tough situation, but I wanted to get down there on the 20, 30 yard line for that last play. Um, and it didn't happen in that situation. You know, last play, that's a miracle has got to happen at that point. It didn't go our way, so what's, move on. What's keeping this team from starting out? Well, you know, Coach Hall said, for some reason, it seems like once you get down 14 to 21, you know, a light comes on and you know, everything clicks, but you have to dig that hole first. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if Coach Shaw knew and if I knew, you know, we'd love to tell you. Um, we, you know, we're really searching for that. Um, you know, tonight dawned on me in terms of, you know, what, the reason why as a quarterback I wanted to come to Stanford was the tradition that I saw in the past 10 years where we win football games. And in my view, we win football games because we dominate situations. And we're dominating situations that are very, very hard. And we're not dominating situations that win you football games week in and week out. You know, special teams, you know, third down conversions, turnover margin, um, conversion rate in the red zone. You know, 
those things you look at them at the end of the game it's like we're, we're not beating other teams doing that and this game is principle based and it's very hard to beat a team um, when you don't beat them in those areas and um, that's our answer and uh, how we get there is, is up to the coaches and me to figure out that's kj costello yeah i i obviously i honestly had not realized that stanford had lost four of its last five games now i i completely forgotten about that uh, that that had not occurred to me until he until he brought it up and until he started off his his postgame media availability with that but i i found that i found his thoughts there at the at the end very telling about how this team can dominate hard situations. They, they seem to play better when things are hard for them. But they don't dominate situations that win ball games. You know, it's like, you know, some, you know, it's like in college. Think back to your college days, right? You know, sometimes, you know, you'd put that paper off. You'd put that studying, off, studying for that midterm off, you know, and then you look up and you go, oh, crap, I got that paper due in five hours. And, you know, sometimes it works for, for some students. You know, some students are better after procrastinating and, and putting themselves in the hole and not doing the reading, not doing the coursework, and then looking up and trying to put it all together and, 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 and trying to find a way to get it done there. And the next thing you know, you get your paper back, you get a C, which is cool. But if you had done the preparation and if you had performed better, Leading up to that midterm, leading up to that paper, you probably would have gotten an A. Same things at work here. You know, Stanford just keeps digging themselves in holes that are too big to ultimately ultimately climb out of. And they keep putting themselves in situations that are not advantageous. And it's not conducive to winning games. And I understand, you know, in, in, in college, what was, the, was one, of, one of my favorite sayings? C's get you degrees. <laughs> 2 0 and go. Well, yeah, that's true and all. But A's are pretty cool. A's are really cool. And Stanford's not getting those A performances that you need in the Pac 12 to actually win ball games. They're just not getting them, it's just not happening. So very troubling, very troubling. And now the road ahead for for Stanford is an interesting one. And I'm not sure what they're going to look like personnel-wise. We mentioned J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. No idea of what his availability is uh, for Stanford against Oregon State this Saturday to this point. I I have no clue what that's going to look like. It certainly didn't look good. J.J. was on the sideline wearing a boot. By the time that game was was all said and done, Devery Hamilton left the game with an injury. Boy, <laughs> Stanford's running out of offensive linemen. Heck, Stanford's running out of everybody. Jet Toner warmed up, wasn't quite right, didn't play. Colin Riccatelli came in and made an impact in the game, missed an extra point. That would have made it 27-24, although you kind of would have rather hidden missed an extra point than him missing a game-tying field goal at the end of it all. So Jet Toner banged up. Mustafa Branch was lost for a series or two. Stanford's running out of players, man. And this wasn't the, the deepest team to begin with. And they are 
They are losing guys at a rapid, rapid clip. So it'll be a depleted squad for Stanford this Saturday against Oregon State. Oregon State, by the way, lost to USC, but they looked a little frisky in doing it. 38-21. They were down early 21-0, if I remember correctly, but, but they came back and made it a ball game 21-14 before, before USC found a, net, found a second gear. So Oregon State, maybe not quite the rollover that you would have thought they were two weeks ago. Boy, that second half for them at Boulder changed everything. Cal lost at Washington State Saturday night, 19-13. It was funny. I was kind of hanging out with the Washington uh, radio network after the game on Saturday night. We were all in their booth hanging out and just trying to figure out how in the heck is Cal keeping the, uh, staying in this game and making it interesting? Well, they're doing it with defense. I don't know how they're going to score, but they can certainly prevent you from scoring. Big game is starting to loom very large, by the way. I've, 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 I've felt for 11-plus months now that the axe, that Stanford's hold on the axe is in jeopardy. I hope I'm wrong, but I've, I've felt that way for 11 months now. And then UCLA, they lost 42-21 in Chip Kelly's return to Eugene, but I have no idea what UCLA squad to expect on November the 24th. None. None. So the road ahead for Stanford with banged up players with a team that that likes to prefer that seems to prefer to be down big early a team that just cannot put together all the things you need to win ball games consistently enough offense defense special teams coaching execution play calling scheme all of those things that you need to win ball games just have not come together consistently enough for the Cardinal this year. They got three shots left to do it. That's the good thing. One shot left at home. This is the final home game of the regular season coming up here. So all certainly is not lost, even though Stanford's chances of winning the Pac-12 North are now slim to none. And slim just left town. I don't think I've said that since fifth grade. Boy, where did that cliche come from? So let's, it's going to be an intriguing final three weeks of the regular season. And we're going to learn a lot about the Cardinal as November continues. Those are my thoughts. Of course, I always welcome yours. Best way to do so is via Twitter, hashtag TreeCast. Hashtag TreeCast. That's how you share your thoughts on Stanford football. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you big time to those of you who have already done so. Subscribing and rating and reviewing and liking the show and enjoying the show and coming back and checking out the program and showing your support for the TreeCast. I certainly, I certainly appreciate all of that. And we'll come at you again later on this week, likely on Thursday afternoon, as we start to look ahead to Stanford's final home game of the regular season. Can Stanford beat the Beavers? Well, on paper, they should. On paper, they should. But as we have come to learn, Stanford doesn't like to do things the easy way, do, uh, do they? <laughs> uh. 
The, the Cardinal just 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 don't like to don't like to to, to, do, to do the things on paper. So we'll see. Should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. And looking forward to bringing you another TreeCast later on in the week. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Just don't. And we'll talk to you later in the week. This is the TreeCast with Troy Claremont.